Well, hi, everybody. We are here. Dave Therry and New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Don't want to forget that either. Got a wonderful topic today. This is a topic for all human beings. If you're a human being, this topic's for you. We're going to talk about something that everybody needs and God has provided. Now think about that. Everybody needs it and God has also provided it. What do you think that is? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a saving grace. Oh yeah. The saving grace of God. Everybody needs it. And God has provided it. It's a very important topic. Because really, it's it's where we all begin. It's where we all begin with a relationship with God. His divine saving grace. And it's divine because it's the grace that comes from God. Think about it. In divine grace, God, God, I can't even get it out. I'm so, I don't know, overwhelmed about it. God didn't look the other way at sin. He didn't say, ah, shucks, it's not that bad. No, he acknowledged it. But then you know what he did? He atoned for it. See, salvation is not this sentimental thing with God. Not at all. It's not God being, oh, good old Uncle Ernie, don't worry about it, you're okay, I'm okay, we'll get around, we'll get by. No, he acknowledged mankind is in sin, but then he took the next step, and he atoned for it himself. So we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about divine saving grace. In Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had been traveling through Judea, and they arrived at Jerusalem. And I want you to notice what happened in verse 5 of Acts 15. Some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed, so these guys are saved, okay, they stood up and they were saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So we've got these, I, I, I believe that they're saved, Messianic Jews we call them, right? But they wanted to keep people under the law. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also believed that the law was still important. So the apostles and the elders, they discussed the issue, and um, Peter was there. And Peter stood up and he said in verse 11, But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. I love this. You know why? Remember Peter, the denier? Peter became the greatest spokesman for God next to the Apostle Paul. Shows you what you can do when you get back with God. You can fall away, but you can get back. Okay? Peter fell away, but he got back. Am I talking to you today? You fall away, but you can get back. So he stands up and he says, We believe that we're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. So he's saying, listen, no circumcision is required for salvation. Everybody is saved the same way. 
by divine grace. So I want us to see aspects of this grace, okay? Because let me tell you, I think there's a lot of people going through life today, even Christians, somewhat feeling guilty, weighed down, unworthy. You know, it's easy to, um, uh, what's the word I want? Be obsessed with our failures. You know, we can be consumed with the things we've done wrong and forget about the good things we've done too. So let's take a look at some aspects of divine grace. Number one, it's a gift. First and foremost, it is a gift. You got to remember that. You didn't do something to get it. You only said yes to receive it. Paul said in Romans 3.24 that we are justified as a gift by God's grace. God's divine grace is a gift. And Paul uses the Greek word for justified. You know, he uses it 27 times in Romans and Galatians mostly. And it's translated justify in all cases. Two times it's translated declared righteous. Only two. But every other time, it means justified. And they both kind of mean the same thing. The term describes what happens when people believe in Christ as their Savior. From the negative viewpoint of God, he declares them to be not guilty. Okay? So God is saying, listen, you're not guilty. This is the negative viewpoint. The positive viewpoint, he declares them to be righteous. So you're not this, but you are this. You're not guilty, but you are righteous. And that's important to be made righteous. You know why? If you're not guilty, you're still lost. You have to be righteous to be saved. Okay? So being not guilty doesn't mean anything. Being made righteous, oh, that means everything. He cancels the guilt of their sin and credits righteousness to their account. That's justification, okay? So Paul emphasizes two points in this regard. Number one, no one lives a perfectly holy, righteous life. No one does. On the contrary, there is no one righteous, the Bible says, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law, by doing something good. It's impossible. That's why circumcision doesn't add or create salvation. Religion doesn't create an environment for salvation. Even though all are sinners, God will declare those, here it comes, who put their trust in Jesus, not guilty and righteous. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So once the penalty has been paid, and it was paid, you know that, by Christ, the person is regarded as innocent. They're free to go. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, that should be the motivator for salvation. Anybody that's far from God, they don't know God, they're far from God, they're lost, they should realize, wait, in Christ... There's no condemnation. That's a safe place to be. I want to be in that place. So you receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Secondly, regarding divine grace, 
It's an extension of God's character. It's who he is. Did you know that? God operates within who he is. He doesn't go outside of who he is. That's why when you know his attributes, love, righteousness, justice, fairness, mercy, grace, God operates within those attributes. If you went outside of those attributes, he wouldn't be him. So in Psalm 84, verse 11, the Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, what does it mean to walk uprightly? To walk in truth. To walk in the truth of the Word of God. I'll tell you, and a lot of you know this, there is a difference between walking in the truth of the Word and walking in the way of the world. You know, there's a big difference. That's why the Apostle John could say, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And he's talking about his congregation. What gave him the greatest joy was to see his congregation walking in the truth of God's Word. Because that was his calling, to teach them truth, that that they would abide in it and apply it to their lives. And when he sees it, he's like, yes, man. I'm riding high. This is all I need. That's that's my reward. That's what I want to see. So, think about it. In divine grace, our Heavenly Father rewards those who are pleasing to Him. And why are they pleasing to Him? Because they walk in truth. So, number one, divine grace is provided to all those that receive Christ as Savior. Then secondly, You are rewarded in grace for walking uprightly according to God's Word. Let me give you a little example. A young violinist played a concert. Halfway through, the crowd erupted in applause. The young violinist looked up at his teacher who was sitting in the first row of the balcony. The teacher just stared at him. The student continued with his performance, and at the end, the crowd erupted even louder than the first time. Again, the student looked up at his teacher, who looked at his student, and then smiled. See, the young violinist had now felt accomplished. Because the one he was playing to please was his teacher. So you see, we are all performing before an audience of one. And when your life is pleasing to him, you will be rewarded. I think the most difficult place in life, here it comes now, listen closely, is to be a Christian that's not walking with God. I believe a non-believer will have a better life than a Christian that's not walking with God, that's carnal, then a Christian that's going the way of the world, your life is going to struggle. Oh, yeah, in every way, in all kinds of ways. But yet, when you walk in the truth of his word, you will be rewarded for that. Wisdom has its own reward. Okay? Thirdly, grace is also the absence of effort. Remember in the beginning we said it's a gift? Yeah. In Romans 11.5, Paul said, In the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant 
according to God's gracious choice. Wait a minute. God's gracious choice? Does this mean God chooses who can be saved and who cannot? And you know what I say? Yes. And this is how. He has determined that all those that believe in his Son will be saved. That's how he chooses. Anybody that's in his Son will be saved. How do they get there? They have to accept Christ as their Savior. That's how they have to believe the gospel, that Jesus is the Son of God, took upon himself human flesh, lived on this earth, went to a cross, shed his blood, atoned for the sins of the world. He died and they buried him in a tomb, and three days later he conquered death, rose from the grave, sended into heaven. That's the gospel message. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's it. So that's the that's the deal. God doesn't pick and choose who will be saved. He only chooses those that have already accepted his son. That's where the choice begins. After you accept his son. So Paul said, if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Now think about it. How many religions are there in the world? I can't count them. You realize if it wasn't for the divine grace of God for salvation, all those religions would be, one of them would have to be right. Right? If there's something people could do to get to God, I mean, there are some religions, right? They, they, they burn incense. Some meditate. Some do pilgrimages. Some blow up themselves. Some light candles. I mean, if any of those things work, then there's no grace. But none of those things work. The only thing that works is believing. And when you believe, God sends his grace, his divine saving grace as a gift. He's rewarding your faith because you're putting your faith in his son. Oh, he loves his son. Oh, yes, he does. God the Father loves his son. Remember when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's God himself speaking. This is my son. Listen to him. He is pleasing to me. He is. And you know, Jesus loved the Father. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> if we really look at John 3.16, God so loved us that he sent his son. The son came to earth because he loved the Father. And the Father sent the son to earth because he loves us. Can you see how it works? So Jesus was obedient to his Father, and the Father was obedient to his love, to his love for us. Think about God being motivated by his own love. Love is a motivator, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Love gets people to do things. Love gets people to do good things, heroic things. It can even get them to do crazy things as well. Love is a motivator. And God was motivated by his own intrinsic love, the love that was within him. 
To do what? To save the human race. So he sent his son, that those that believe on him would never perish. Oh, but they would have everlasting life. So grace comes without effort on the part of the receiver. There's no effort on our part. That's why it's called a gift. Now, we've got to remember, if God gave it as a gift without our effort, you can't lose it. You can't give it back. You didn't earn it. God gave it as a gift, and it's yours. Romans 4.16 says, It is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be, here it comes, guaranteed to all the descendants. The promise of salvation is guaranteed, not only to those who are of the law, that means the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith, that means those of Abraham, right? They had faith like Abraham. Believers, that's us, who's the father of us all. So I want you to think that the gift of salvation is the fulfillment of a promise. When God makes a promise, that promise cannot be undone. And you know what love does? Love wants us to be secure in our relationship with God. Love doesn't want us walking on eggs. Doesn't want us afraid to live, thinking that, oh, I could cross the line and lose my salvation. No, love makes you secure. That's why God says you're not going to lose it. It's a promise that is guaranteed. And that should give us security, not to want to go out and live in sin, but to want to live a life of gratefulness. And that leads to service. I think of my own life, right? I think of how, number one, I could have died before salvation. That would have been really bad for me. And then I think, before salvation, of all the things that I got myself into, that where I could have died also. And God kept me alive, even to this day, today. So how can I walk away? How can I go back to the world? How can I be like the dog that returns to his vomit? I could never do that. I pray I would never do that. I guess anything's possible. But I try to keep that in front of me, that God's grace, what he's done for me. And I try to keep that as a motivator, not to go back. That's all. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would I be? In the lake of fire. And that's no place for anyone. But yes, sadly, many people will find themselves there. So, God's promise is guaranteed for the Jew and the Gentile, anybody that accepts Christ as his Savior. And this is why Paul said, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What did it take? Faith. That's all. Number four, who is grace for? Well, that's an easy one. Titus 2.11. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. The word men is the word anthropos. It means human beings, people. This is the infinite mercy 
of God. The grace of God is Jesus Christ, and he appeared to all people. He's made salvation possible for everybody. Now, humanly, it is difficult to conceive the depth of God's mercy toward us. We, we, we can only scratch the surface. And we've got to be careful not to error, thinking there is something good within us that caused God to save us. Because there wasn't. There was nothing good in us. We were all born with a sin nature. We were all born alienated from the life of God. The relationship was broken. And that's why the song is correct when it says, He saved the wretch like me. And you know, there's a beautiful song we sing in churches today. We sing it here. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Think about it. A king dying for his people. It's divine grace. Divine grace is God stooping down to our level and lifting us up to his level. That's divine grace. That you, my king, would die for me. So today was an introduction to the grace of God. What what do you need to know about the grace of God? Watch how simple. Number one, it is a gift from God. It's a gift. We are all undeserving. We haven't earned it. We're unworthy. But it's a gift, motivated by God's love. Secondly, grace is an extension of God's character. It's who he is. Grace is who God is, just like God is love. God is also grace. God is also mercy. God is also justice. God has many, many attributes, and he always operates within his attributes. He has to, because that's who he is. Okay? Thirdly, grace comes with the absence of our efforts. That's why it's grace. If, if it wasn't, if it was earned or deserved, it wouldn't be grace. It would be a salary. It would be a pay. Didn't Paul say the wages of sin is death? So when you live in sin, right, you earn wages. You deserve it. And what is, what are the wages? Death. (laughs) Death. Doesn't mean you die physically, but it means separation from God. Yes, but with the result, you'll die and be eternally separated from God, okay? So when you think of the divine grace, it's not wages paid, it's not salary, it's apart from any effort that we could put forward. It's apart from any religious observance that we could experience. It's beyond that. And then maybe the best one of all, number four, God's divine grace, His saving grace, is for all people. No one's left out. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in an office or a jail cell. No one's left out. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in a trailer truck or a Lamborghini. No one's left out. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at a banquet or a soup kitchen. No one's left out. It's a gift for all people. What did the angel say to Mary? 
when Jesus would be born. A savior, a, a savior will be born. And the good news is for all the people. Said so that to the shepherds. For all the people. So you see, when you talk about God's divine grace, this is something that we really need to understand. We really need to know it because, let's face it, we're going to have downtime. We're going to have times when things aren't going to feel that good, they're not going to go that good. And God's grace can sustain you. God's grace will hold you up. When I understand the grace of God, I can live in the grace of God. And that means that even in my failure, I can still be in God's grace. God's grace will pick me up. God's grace will never reject me. Once I have Christ in me, His grace will never reject me. That's why there's no reason to quit on God if you're a Christian. If you're truly born again, born of God, there's no reason to quit because God is inside of you. And He'll always pull you out of the rut. He'll pull you out. He'll always welcome you back like the father did with the prodigal son. He didn't give him a scolding when the son returned. He celebrated. Oh, my son was dead. Now he's alive. My son was lost. Now he's found. We call that story the prodigal son, but you know what I call it? The loving father. Because it's all about the father. The love of the father for his carnal son. And why did Jesus tell it? So we would understand the love of God the Father for all of us. He rewards us when we walk uprightly, and he brings us back when we fall. If you're going to learn anything about the Christian life, learn about the grace of God. Another topic we'll be covering, the riches of grace. Wow. You know, when you study grace, you're studying who God is. Want to know who God is? We study grace. Because you know why? It affects our heart. Oh, it fills our heart and directs our life. And gives us that on which we stand. Thanks for coming along. Don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. You can catch these messages anytime on demand. The Hope Club podcast. That's all you need to know. Type it in anywhere. All of our messages will be there. And what a great way to fill your soul with the divine truth of God's Word. Because when you walk uprightly, you will be rewarded. Thanks for coming along.